It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another little foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, the aquarium hobby, it's its no doubt. It'll challenge you in every way. It'll push you, it'll tease you, even taunt you at times. However, if you do things right, you listen to nature's clues, she'll reward you, and often in ways that you never even considered. Now, it kind of occurred to me recently that some of the best moves I've ever made as an aquarist were not the result of jumping right into something, not some spontaneous move. No, rather, the best moves I made were consistently the result of a smaller, slower, more measured set of moves, stuff that took me what seemed like eons to accomplish, yet yielded better long-term results that were well, well worth the wait. Most of them are predicated upon one simple idea, what I call radical patience. Now, what's radical about patience? Is there some special meaning to this? Well, not really. It's as much about common sense as anything. Actually, yeah, common sense. That is not jumping right into something, taking a bit more time or even a long time to allow your aquariums to run in and develop before pushing them along. I mean, why are we always in such a big hurry to get, you know, fishes in our tanks? Having set up more than a few systems in my lifetime, I've never seemed to be surprised at my own true hobbyist style impatience, but... Somehow I've battled it. Let's face it. Once we get the you know the the plumbing done, or the lighting tweak, all the leaks sealed, the pumps running, the aquascaping set, we're all seemingly hell bent on you know getting some fishes in there. I mean, we've waited so long for the first water in the tank that it seems time to enjoy the fruits of our labor, right? It's like we need to get the fishes in there right away, even just a few, right? Can't really blame us. I mean, right? However there may be some compelling reasons to wait just a little bit longer. I mean, how would you like to move into a house which didn't have a refrigerator full of food? I mean, I wouldn't like that. (laughs) Unlike humans, of course, fishes seem to have not lost their genetic programming for grazing and hunting for food. Let's face it, most of the waking hours of aquatic animals are devoted to acquiring food and reproducing. Seems like a pretty good life to me, actually, but they need to have some sort of food sources available to hunt and graze for. And that's reality. So why not help accommodate our animals' needs by supplementing their prepared diet with some pre-stocked natural foods in their new home? You know, slow down, get things going a bit, and then add the fishes. Now, I'm not talking about tossing a few frozen brine shrimp, you know, in a, a couple hours before the first fishes go in the tank. I'm talking about a deliberate, systematic attempt to cultivate some living food sources within the system before a fish ever hits the water. Imagine a new system offering numerous foraging opportunities for its new inhabitants. That would be amazing. And in our world, that might mean allowing some of the breakdown of the botanicals to occur or time for wood or other botanicals to recruit some biofilm, some fungi, even maybe turf algae on their surfaces before adding the first fishes to the aquarium. Now, Scott, you're being impractical here. It could take months to accomplish this. I've just spent tons of money and time setting up my tank and you want me to deliberately keep fish 
out of this tank while biofilms form and, you know, the Daphne reproduce? Yeah, seriously, I do. I am a bit crazy, I'll give you that much. Yet, with my last few aquariums, this is exactly what I did. And you know what? It works really, really well. For years, I did this in reef tanks. Um, this is a little different, though. Um, this is the days when we were into sand beds and live rock and so forth. I think my approach now is a little more get the coral in there real fast and the fish in there after the tank stabilized. But it was really a result of this radical patience thing. I was keeping in my, one of my last really nice alternative marine aquariums, I was keeping pipe fishes and marine dragonets, which are notoriously difficult feeders in the tank from the first day that I stocked them. And with no losses, they were fat, happy, active fishes that were foraging naturally on some natural food sources between regular feedings. It's because I did this. I'm no genius, trust me. I don't have half the skills that most of you people do, but I've succeeded with many delicate, so-called hard-to-feed fishes over my hobby career. And it's not because I'm, you know, have some secret, you know, ingredient that I use or some, uh, some knowledge that you don't have. It's because I'm really fucking patient. Success is simply a result of deploying this radical patience. The practice of just moving really, really slowly. It's a really simple concept. I mean, to some extent, we already, you know, deploy this practice with our botanical method aquariums, right? The very process of creating a botanical method aquarium lends itself to this onboard supplemental food production concept, just sort of a food web that's pretty analogous to those found in nature, right? Yeah. And it plays right into the work that we regularly do as botanical method aquarium fans. For many fishes and even shrimp, you stock your tank with some leaves and other botanicals and allow them to break down a bit before stocking. Hardly a radical concept in our world, merely a simple tweak on our way of doing stuff. Um, you could also add cultures of euglena, daphnia, paramecium, uh, other copepods that you can get. However, you don't have to. And I'm always surprised that this seemingly simple tweak can yield disproportionately great results. It's not like there's any special skill required in order to wait. I mean, it just requires self-discipline and perhaps the ability to stare into a tank devoid of fishes for a bit longer. I know you're going to be looking at the, the Daphnia swimming around, which is, I might add, mildly entertaining for a few weeks. For a few weeks. And if you really plan right, like I did with uh, one of my recent leaf litter-only tanks, one that I featured here not long ago, the tank can run with fat, happy fishes for many, many months, supplementing only, you know, subsisting only on the food that the tank actually produces. I know a few other hobbyists who've done this with similar results. It's not that hard. So assemblages of softer botanicals, which may soften as they decompose, and leaves, which recruit biofilms and fungi, form a secondary food source for many fishes and animals. And in fact, they're a primary food source at some parts, of, uh, sometimes of the year for some of these animals. We know this, it's, and the appearance of these, uh, these life forms is pretty much inevitable in our tank, right? So why not simply allow this to happen before adding your fishes? Of course, the easy part is adding the botanicals and or the crustaceans or worms or whatever if you choose to go the extra step in your tank. We more or less do this already. The hard part is waiting longer to add fishes. Now, if you can wait a minimum of three weeks and even a month or even two if you can stand it, you'll have a surprisingly large population of micro and macro fauna upon which your fishes can forage between feedings. And having a pre-stocked system helps reduce a considerable amount of stress for new fishes, particularly for wild fishes or fishes that have reputations of delicate feeders. Now, 
I'm encouraging everybody to do what I do, which is to quarantine their fishes a minimum of two to three weeks in a separate aquarium, get them acclimated to captive life. Now, don't dump fishes right into the, to the tank. But if you're prone to doing that, if that's something you still haven't decided to quarantine, you want to do that. This is a really good way to, 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 to help them out because they're going to have natural food sources to feed on from day one. And think about this though, too. This is really a natural analog of sorts. Fishes that live in, you know, inundated forest floors, you know, the agapo again, um, you know, return to these areas to follow the food once they flood. So it's kind of like what they're doing. It just takes a few weeks, really. You'll see fungal growth. You'll see some breakdown of the botanicals brought on by bacterial action or the the feeding habits of those small crustaceans and fungi. If you pre-stock, you might even see the emergence of a significant population of copepods. I did this once and I was like, wow, I have a lot, a lot of cyclops swimming around in my tank. And it's kind of cool, actually, and they're f- because they're free from, you know, fishy predators and they're foraging on the detritus, the algae, the bacterial growth and so forth and happily reproducing in your tank. Well, we kind of know this already, right? Again, it's really analogous to that tried and true practice of cultivating some turf algae and rocks and, you know, adding it to a tank for herbivores or grazing fishes to give them some grazing materials. That's something that has been done for years in the... Uh, with difficult to feed fishes or fishes that rely on algae and so forth. Radical patience yields impressive results. Now, I realize that it takes a certain patience and a certain leap of faith to do this. I've been doing it for a while and I can tell you it works. I've employed it out of sheer desire to give my fishes the best possible outcome when I can. And it worked. When I originally got this idea many years ago, it was actually taught to me by an old friend of mine in the hobby, but I had to do it out of desperation of, of lack of funds. I remember I couldn't afford to put fish in my tank. So I had this beautifully set up aquarium sitting around for three, four weeks. And I was like, oh, this is depressing. But boy, the fish did well when I put them in there. It was just, I stumbled on it. But the point of this practice, it's pretty simple. It's embarrassingly so, actually. It's to help develop, or should I say, to encourage the development and accumulation of some supplemental natural food sources in the system before they're quickly you know, devastated by your fishes kind of like the refugium concept yet again right it's really a whole little concept or idea which needs a little more exploration i think more people should do this it's super easy to do it simply requires some planning observation execution and oh yeah a lot of patience it's perhaps a bit against the grain of popular practice but i commend you for even considering this idea i've talked about this before you could play it out in all sorts of ways even going so far as to Escape your tank with materials known to recruit more fungal growth or biofilm or algae or whatever, uh, or to cultivate beneficial food sources. Just thinking at things, thinking things from a different angle is pretty cool. At the very least, considering different aspects of your fish's in-tank experiences when creating and stocking a tank is a really cool thing, and it's an evolution. And again, taking the time to, you know, do this and get your tank sort of situated for the fishes is really not that challenging. Gives you another chance to really enjoy your tank on a different level. Besides, what's the big rush, really? You'll develop a whole new appreciation for nature when you develop this form of radical patience. Trust me. Until next time, stay observant, stay diligent, stay methodical, stay bold, stay patient, (laughs) and always stay wet. This is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.